Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Fooling everyone, okay? So the way I am, I just, uh, I love kids. I'm, I'm, I have a burden for the next generation. I don't want to lose any of them uh, to the world. And, and they are in the fight for their lives right now. I hope you understand that. If you're looking out there, in fact, I, I wrote down, I'll probably be saying next, uh, next week about, uh, I, I am deeply concerned about some of the things I'm seeing happening right now before our very eyes in this country, uh, especially concerning Christians. One of those things is I, I'm not, how many professing Christians now are renouncing their faith. Uh, they are, it's a very concerning to me about how gullible this present generation is to the woke, woke ideology. Uh, and secondly, how many professing Christians are remaining in a religion or a church or following a man or a doctrine they know is not biblical. You cannot convince me that they don't know deep down in their hearts that that's not biblical and yet and it's not beneficial to their eternal welfare, but they're going to stay right where they're at because of traditions or they've got so many years in there. Thirdly, how many professing Christians are rejecting the old paths? Uh, the old Bible, the old ways that, they, that sought them, saved them, started them in their walk with Christ, but now they feel they have found a better way, a better Bible, or a better path. Um, I think it's kind of that progressive thinking like we're smarter than we were years ago and understand more than we've ever understood. But um, I, 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 I'm glad I got the good old King James and I'm glad I got following the good old paths of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the generations before us. I think about how, how can we renounce and, um, the, old, uh, the inheritance that we got from the forefathers that were before us. And that's my last one. How uh, concerns me how many professing Christians are refusing to believe God can still do the same great mighty things that he's always done uh, down through the centuries and can still do for us if we would just believe him. You know, I, I, um, I, I never come into a, a message ever without asking God for confirmation to the message that I'm giving. And sometimes I don't get it to the very last second there have been times I've gotten up here and, and attempted to preach and got up to the pulpit and God changed the whole message as I was walking from there to here. Uh, and that's scary. It's always been scary, especially when you, uh, you work hard at something the whole time. But it's amazing that this first hymn that Mike picked talked about the compassion of Christ. And that's where we're going this morning. And then the second hymn, I want to tell you, just listening to that brought me to my knees. Um, it just changed my whole demeanor when I prayed that. I was kind of more bold and boastful at that moment about thinking I'm going to stand in the pulpit and I'm going to give the Word of God. And then he just takes the wind out of my sails and says, no, I'm going to give the Word of God and you're just going to be the vessel by which I give it. Amen. So, Father, trust. Trust is the main thing. We know that. We're believing you. Uh, we want you to do a special thing here today for us, but we also know that we're here for you. Uh, we want you to be glorified today. We want you to be lifted up. We want Christ to be lifted up. We, we just want all the glory to come to you today. It's not about us at all. It's all about you. We know that deep down inside. It's just so often, Lord, we just take things into our own hands or get concerned about our own lives that we forget about you. 
We don't want to forget about you today, Lord. We know that you're there. We know that you care. And we, we also know that you're aware of our needs. So I pray that you'll reach through into our hearts, Lord, today and touch us in a way uh, that will bless us, but also bring glory to yourself. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to Matthew uh, 9 and Matthew 15. I, I, I want to uh, share, we're going to focus on one word today. Um, I don't usually give messages like this, but I just, God laid that burden on my heart. And that word is compassion. Is compassion. In Matthew 9, if you look at uh, verse 35, I'll wait till you all get there. I hear the uh, pages stop rustling. I'll know you're there. Now, these are two very familiar, obviously, uh, passages because it's about feeding uh, people who are hungry. Uh, uh, but I, I certainly want us to see a couple points here that are very, very important for us, especially concerning next week when we're going to we're going to be asking people to come to I Love My Church Sunday. Now, Matthew 9, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then he goes on to say, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but their labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now turn right over to, if you would, to Matthew 15 and verse 29. You're going to notice here that Jesus was doing things. He was getting things done and for his father, and there was miracles and signs and wonders and all that stuff. But every once in a while, it just, you know, I look at it, it just took his, his eyes out and just saw the multitudes, and, and just, it just brought him right to his knees, just like that first second hymn did to me today. But look what it says in verse uh, 29. It says, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. Uh, may I just say this? Uh, again, Harry, I'm going to rabbit trail for a minute. I was in the, uh, Israel just a couple weeks ago, and there's a spot uh, that our guide, who was an uh, Arabic man, uh, who's born again, that he believes is where Jesus stood when he, when he talked to the thousands uh, and fed them. Um, we had to hike up the side of a hill to get there, and it was an amazing spot. It was like an amphitheater. Uh, and, you, and we sat there, all of us would sat there at the base of it, and he, and he sent all of, uh, half of all the, uh, 40 of the, all the 80 people, he sent them up on the hillside, all over the place. I'm talking like a good 100 yards away, up on the hillsides. And then he had someone read the scripture, and the person the farthest away, up on top of that mount, uh, hill, could hear every word that he said. So if you wonder, you know, why... Uh, how could he uh, talk to that many people and hear them? It's just the way of the acoustics, the way they are, right? We need to have uh, these things in a little church like this for somebody who doesn't have a real loud, boisterous voice like mine. But in there, you could just stand there and preach. So it kind of took home here when I read this again. He sat down there, and, and the great multitudes came unto him, having them 
those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Things are going great, aren't they? Everything is just, uh, he's getting it done. And insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the, the maimed uh, to be whole, and the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. You'd think right there, right? God, he did his job. God is lifted up, and he'd move on. But then Jesus called his disciples unto them and said this, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint on the way. And when his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so, so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto him, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish, fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the and the fishes, and, and gave thanks, and break them, and gave to his disciples, and disciples to the multitude, and they did all eat, they were all filled, and they all took up, broke, uh, up of the broken meat that was left, uh, seven baskets full. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Incredible story, and I'm not even going to get in to the feeding part. I just want to talk to you about something today. I want you to notice in Matthew 15, verse 32, it says, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him, and said... I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days, have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting. Do you realize every time you come into church, uh, you're usually coming in hungry to hear from the Word of God, and He says, I'm not going to send you away hungry. You know, so whenever I hear someone say, you know, I'm not getting fed there, they're just not eating. You know, because God is in this, and he is doing great things, and he's going to continue to do great things, and he's, he's about feeding you. And so if you're not getting something here today, your mind is somewhere else, because I'm just preaching from the Word of God. It ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with me. But he says, I have compassion on the multitude. I will not send them away. One statement is an admission that reveals his heart, right? The, the other is an action that reveals his intent. So we must understand these two truths, and let me try to lay the foundation. First, our God is full of compassion. Now, five times in the Psalms, he makes sure that we know that he is full of compassion. He, he wrote it, and it's the same word for merciful. So in other words, you won't find anyone more merciful or more compassionate than your God. It doesn't matter. You, wherever you look, you're looking for all this in your friendships and your family. You won't find anybody more merciful or more compassionate than your God. Jesus died to save his enemies. Do you realize that? You can't get any more merciful than that. But whosoever faith hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath need and shut up, up with his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? 1 John 3, 17. Let me say it again. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? It's a good question, isn't it? Here's the second thing. We, we must understand, he said, I will not send them away. I will not send them away hungry. In other words, it just ain't going to happen with me. It's just not going to happen. Uh, with Jesus, once he sees the need, he is compelled to fulfill that need. Now, I, I mean, that's very convicting to me. 
right? Because so often there's so many people, sometimes you, you have to send them away. You can't even, uh, you can't even meet their needs. And I, it's, it just strikes me funny that I don't want to ever send anybody away that comes to me for help. I want to try to help. So we can see someone in need and shut him or her out, according to the Bible, or send them away, as Scripture says, and, and we do, and quickly forget all about them sometimes, and then wonder what happens to them. Do you all understand that our God cannot do that? He does not have the capability of doing that. You know, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He abides faithful. He can't turn anybody away. He can't deny himself. Listen to me. I, I, again, if you're here today and you're unsaved, if you're with me in my voice of this camera on live feed, listen, if you'll come to Jesus, he won't turn you away. He's going to accept you. He's going to have open arms. All you got to do is repent of your sin, turn from your unbelief, and finally turn to him and give your life to him. He's not going to deny you. He can't do it. He cannot deny himself. Because he's faithful. He's a faithful God. He sees the need, has to do something about it. He always gives us a way to escape and find fulfillment in him. Kind of reminds me of the scripture verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There had no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. Does everybody understand that? There's nothing you're going through that somebody else hasn't gone through. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're, that you're able in other words, we, he, he takes all the excuse out of it. There's no excuse for us, our rebellion or our bad behavior. There's just no excuse for it. But will the temptation also make a way to escape? There's always a way because he provides a way. Jesus said, I am the way. So have you ever noticed that our God in Christ Jesus never leaves us with an excuse? Never. You're not going to go to hell, reject Christ, go to hell and say, you know, I wish somebody would have told me. It's not going to happen. You know, because of Jesus Christ, we have no excuse for missing heaven and, and, and for not escaping hell. We have no excuse for the lack of our self-control and, and our rebellious behavior because of Jesus Christ. Yet once you know him, he knows you. Uh, he knows you already, by the way, but what he does is when I say he knows you, he, he's got a handle on you. He's got a hold on you. All we have to do is just trust him. We have everything we need, by the way, and in, in, in life, uh, to have a satisfied and fulfilled life if we just have Jesus Christ. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 3, 21. So Jesus is full of compassion. He's full of mercy. cannot deny himself of helping those in need. And we have a big day coming up next week. We have an opportunity here to bring people in. We have no excuses for not reaching people. We have no excuses for not inviting them to the church to hear about Jesus Christ. And I promise you, if they'll come, he will not send them away hungry. That's what he says. So I may not be the best preacher in the world, but I can guarantee you this. If they come, Jesus will not send them away empty. He's going to speak to them from the Word of God, the words that God will lay on my heart to choose to read out of His Bible. He'll fulfill them to their fullest if, they'll just, if we can just get them through the door, if they'll just listen to what Jesus has to say. You know, Jesus was moved with compassion, and we too should be moved with His compassion. This is what this message is all about. So what were the things that moved Him to compassion? 
What were the things? You ever thought about that? What was it that moved into compassion? How can you be doing all these great miracles like he was, and then all of a sudden, you know, like uh, the squirrel, right? Squirrel. He looks and stops, and just the compassion overwhelms him. So what is it that happened to him? I, I don't know what it I know what it is, I think. I'm going to give it to you here. But, but I want that to happen to me. Do you want that to happen to you? Will you look at people from a different perspective? Whatever, whatever those things are that moved him to have compassion should move us to have compassion. Now, am I right? Can I hear a few amens? If Jesus loved others, we should love others. If Jesus forgave others, we should forgive others. If Jesus invited others to come and see him, we too should invite others to come and see him. So whatever Jesus did, and however Jesus did it, we too should want to do the very same things. And one of those things is compassion. Have compassion on the lost. Have compassion on those that are struggling. Have compassion on those... Uh, that uh, are lonely right now or, or, or in a predicament that they can't get themselves out of, have compassion. You know, Lee Robinson, if you're familiar with him, he preached, uh, I believe it is, over 1,700 churches in his lifetime. And many of those churches had him back several times. Quite impressive, I would say, wouldn't you? An, an achievement, and one man would make, I think he baptized... 50,000, 60,000, led, I don't know, several million or something to the Lord or something like that. I had church attendance. I, I can't even tell you. I don't even remember all the numbers. just astounding. This is what he said at the end of his life. He told Bobby Robinson this. Bobby Robinson shared this with me. At the end of his life, he said, there is a missing link in our independent fundamental Baptist churches all over the world. You know what that missing link is? Compassion. Compassion on people. If we're not careful as Baptists, listen to me carefully, we will miss one of the most important links in reaching souls for Christ. We have to have the compassion of Christ. So we've been uh, accused as Baptists to show little compassion on church offenders. In other words, I can't tell you how many times, you know, they say we shoot our own in the, uh, we shoot our own. And I, I don't agree with that, but a lot, that's sometimes how we get labeled. But as I said before, you know, listen to me. Some pastors will stand up here and they'll try to impress you, right, uh, like, like a Hollywood performance with all their talents and their knowledge and, their, and the way they preach. Uh, and then it seems like there's other preachers like to impale you. Right? They just like to show you how you're wrong, give you little, give little regard to how, it, how you're hurting. You know, As long as you get the truth, that's all that matters, and they kind of boast on that stuff. But as for the most part, may I say this, most pastors, the ones who Christ is interested in and has ordained, are the ones who want to invest themselves into you. They want to invest themselves into people. They're trying to help them and hold them up when they're, when they're weak, and they're weary, and, and they're all in need. There's not one person in here right now that hasn't a need that you're dealing with personally. Something that nobody else knows about. So I'm not interested in being a vigilante of justice. I want to just be the voice of truth, speaking the truth in love. 
So we were not saved to bring justice to the world. You know, that was Peter's problem. He wanted justice against Rome. We're not here to do that. He's the God of the vengeance, of vengeance, you know. We were saved to bring the world to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. The only just one who will one day be their judge. So we waste so much precious time trying to time uh, trying to straighten others up instead of trying to steer them to Christ and let Him straighten them up. You cannot do that and will not do that. Listen to me very carefully. If you cannot find the compassion to do it. You know, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest also ye be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to be patient people. We're supposed to be forgiving people, joyful people, loving people, compassionate people. Am I right? The Bible says the Lord was full of compassion. It should be one of the most identifying attributes of the child of God. He just sees people differently. He doesn't see them in all their faults. You know, I said, I just said before, you know, you see people now today, they're very intimidating. They got their, their hair's all type of colors. They're pierced all over their body. They got tattoos everywhere. But they're still souls. They're souls that Christ loved. Don't look at the raw materials. Look at the finished product. When they finally come to Christ, we should be known as the people of compassion. But whosoever hath this world's good and seeth the brother in need and shut it up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So, so I want to give you the three reasons I see here, given here in Scripture. I'm an illiterate type of, uh, I should say illiterate type of preacher. No, I'm an illiterate type of preacher. I like to give you points to help you. And the reason we do that, region preachers do that, there's a reason for that. It's easy to remember when you walk out the door. So when you're having discussions with your family or with your own heart, you can remember uh, at least one of the three or four or five points, whatever it is. That's why we preachers do that. Here they are. Why Jesus move in compassion? And if these three reasons are not found here at Lighthouse, we will not be known as being a compassionate church. Now, before I give them to you, I feel I must address a lie from Satan that many gullible people, even many Christians, have swallowed hook, line, and sinker. Because I had to deal with it two or three times this week. So I'm going to give you a second message here, and then we're going to get to those things, right? And you'll still be out on time, or close, maybe by 1 o'clock. Now, many people, including many Christians, suggest that if we are not tolerant towards sin, we are not compassionate. This is what's happening. Uh, nothing is further from the truth. See, we should hate sin and defend the truth as Jesus did. But many Christians now think we should just love people without addressing their sin. That's what they think. They think it's, it's more Christ-like to do so. May I say this? The truth is, this is that this is just very cruel thinking. Very cruel thinking. 
when we do nothing to help people out of their sins by our silence, what we're doing is we're approving of their lifestyles. We're approving of their sin. You can't love somebody into heaven. You know, that's been said so much uh, before. They'll know that you love them when they leave earth, but they got to have Christ in order to get into heaven. They have to know the truth in order to have Christ. In other words, they need to know that their sin separates them and their sin condemns them. Right? And if they're not told that, they're going to live their entire life thinking they're fine. And then when they take their last breath, they're going to, oh man, are they going to be sadly awakened to the truth. When we do nothing to help people out of their sins, we by our silence are just approving of their sins. So compassion, listen to me. Back to the message. Compassion is seeing people where they are and feeling a need to do something about it. To get them where they can be. You know, compassion is not compromising faith. It is contending for the faith. Now, there will be those that will watch this message and they're going to critique everything I say, you know, about that, about, oh, wait a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna, you should just love, I, I understand all that, I don't care about that. I just want to tell them the truth. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude 1.3. It doesn't get any clearer than that. So love is certainly the root of compassion and a compassionate heart, but showing them the truth is the fruit of the compassionate heart. They need to know. They have to know. We're jeopardizing their lives. It's like Russian roulette. I just love them. You know, they can do what they want to do. You know, that's, I know it's wrong, but they're just doing it. No, they got to know that it's wrong. And we can do that in truth, with love, still be uh, compassionate upon them, so here in Matthew 9, as in most of the other accounts of Jesus being moved in compassion, I find three reasons. Here they are. Here they are. Number one, he saw the numbers. Has anybody took a look around you today at the numbers that are out there? Do you realize that right now there's 8 billion people on planet Earth? I, there wasn't even 7 billion when I entered this world. Now there's 8 billion people on the Earth. There were people hurting everywhere he looked. It was overwhelming to him. I can just imagine how tired he was healing and, and, uh, you know, and taking these people and trying to get them back on track. I, people are still hurting everywhere, all over the world. The world population is now uh, 8 billion, but it was only 300 million back then when Jesus was in his day. So the numbers of them were staggering to Jesus then. Just think what they should be to us right now. 800 billion people out there. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous. Oh man, he was just looking at probably three, four, five, six thousand people. And he's going, do you see this, guys? Can I just say that to you? Have you looked around lately? Have you gone to a Walmart on a busy day when the welfare checks come in? And I am sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just telling you, I, I use Walmart all the time. I go in there, there's people everywhere. Do you look at that place and say, oh my, all these lost people. 
How about the Super Bowl? Did you, anybody watch the Super Bowl the other day? Yeah, I, I did. I caught the end of it. I caught most of it. I was at Pastor Pete's, and I caught the rest of it when I got back to my luxury RV out here. Did you see the people in the stands? Did you, did you see the numbers on the screen, how many people were watching the Super Bowl in the billions? Did you have any compassion? Could you see like Jesus saw? Listen, uh, the word truly here, when it says the harvest truly is plenteous, the labors are few, that word truly that Jesus used here is affirmation. And it's compounded by an intense assertive claim. In other words, in today's vernacular, it would be like, Wow! Do you see the amount of people out there? Think what Jesus would think now if he was standing here at a Super Bowl game. Because the harvest is really plenteous. There are a lot of hurting, helpless, hopeless, unsaved people out there that he still wants to reach, by the way. The multitudes are staggering to Jesus. Do you see the multitudes of lost people are staggering? Because if you don't, you don't have compassion on them. You don't care about them like Jesus cares about them. The numbers won't rent your heart if you don't have compassion. He saw the numbers. He knew what he must do. He had to do something. My friends, my beloved family here, listen, we must do something. When I, you just can't send them away or wish them away. You, do you feel the need to do something about it? Or do you feel what the, you know, the difference in your heart? When you see all these people that are lost, I mean, I don't look, I look at people that way. In fact, everybody I talk to, the first thing that goes through my mind is in my mind, I'm going to assess, are they saved or not? This illustration is old as Rome. You just can't, but I, I'm going to use it. It has been probably more than any other, use any other uh, illustration except for maybe the footprints in the sand. One day, an old man was walking along a beach that was littered with thousands of starfish that had been washed ashore by the high tide. As he walked, he came upon a young boy who was eagerly throwing starfish back into the ocean, one by one. Puzzled, the man looked at the boy and asked him what he was doing. And without looking up from his task, the boy replied, I'm saving these starfish. The old man chuckled, son, there are thousands of starfish and only one of you. What difference, is that? Uh, what difference can you make, son? And then the boy picked up a starfish, gently tossed him into the water, and he said, it made a difference to that one. Jesus saw the multitudes of hurting people. He was moved. I'm sure Jesus was hungry himself, but he felt their hunger. That, beloved, is compassion. And that should bring us to our knees when you see the massive numbers of lost people. It should move us. Secondly, he felt their neglect. He felt their neglect. You know, uh, did you notice that there was only one but him caring about them? It's amazing. You know, I've I, I got to pick on my wife a minute. You okay with that, Pat? Yeah. It's amazing how I can be my wife and I can be somewhere about somebody or something and miss the whole thing. And she goes, did you notice how they didn't have this or they could use a, a little encouragement? No. Right? I didn't. 
you know, she noticed her, their neglect. She notices their neglect. And I kind of like, <laughs> not even one disciple thought about those people traveling with him for three days <laughs> that they hadn't eaten. But Jesus did. He put himself in their shoes. He didn't uh, uh, critique them for their lack of preparedness. Look at all these people following me. They should have at least made lunches. What are they thinking, walking three days without eating? Isn't that how a lot of us talk? How a lot of us think? We're ready to critique that person for why they're in trouble, why they're suffering, why they're going through all this. Jesus didn't do that. He was just saying, they're hungry. Those shoes they are wearing, you were once wearing, everybody. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. They were tired. They were hungry, ready to faint. If someone did not feed them, they would die. And, and Jesus didn't ask them why they didn't think about preparing for such a long trip. Instead, he felt their pain. He knew what they needed more than they knew what they needed. And I want you to notice a truth here that I notice in Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Therefore, take no thought, saying what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or whither else you shall be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Why does it... Why does he, listen to me, why does he make it very clear here he knows you have need of things? It's more than him just being an all-knowing God. We know that he knows you have need of things. He wants you to know he's not a neglectful God. He's not a neglectful God. He's making it very clear he cares enough about you to never forsake you, to never neglect you, because he feels it is his responsibility to you as his creation. That's the God we serve. He is making it very clear to us how much he loves us. How did he know that they were about to faint? Because he felt responsible for them. You look around at the month, do you feel responsible for your family, lost family members? Do you feel responsible for your lost friends? And do you feel responsible for that clerk down at, the, at Walmart or in Rite Aid or uh, CVS? Or do you feel responsible for them? I do. I think it's my responsibility to try to reach them the best way I can. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. So he saw sheep without a shepherd. That's what he saw. He, he saw no shepherd to teach them from error, truth from error, right from wrong. He saw no shepherd there to lead them away from all the dangers and, the, and, and safely into the green pastures. He, they had no shepherd to feed them when they were hungry. They had no shepherd to bind their wounds and comfort their broken hearts. He saw all that. The numbers are great and their neglect was even greater. It was personal to Jesus. It has to be a personal felt responsibility for people if you're going to, have if you're going to reach them and you've got to have compassion to do that. And here's my last point we're through. He filled their need. Pretty basic, right? Can't get any more basic than that. He just filled their need. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, listen to me very carefully as we close. He cannot sit back, see a need, and not attempt to meet that need because his compassion 
compels him to do that. And it should be the same for us. Do you see the needs of others more important than your own needs? Sometimes I go to give somebody money and I look in my wallet and I got a 20 and a 10 and my heart immediately goes to, well, I'll keep the 20, I'll give them the 10. And I'm looking at them and I know they could use the 20 and I could settle for the 10. If you do, listen, do you see the needs of others more important than your own needs? If you do, that's Christ-like compassion. 1 John 3, 16 through 17, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But us, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels on compassion from him, how, can I add a little primism here, in the world is the love of God going to dwell in you? If the needs of people does not move you to do something, you lack compassion for them. How can, we, how can we say God's love is in us and we make no effort to help meet their greatest need? And that's Jesus Christ himself. You know, God's love is in us and we make no effort to help meet their greatest need. We're jeopardizing their souls because they need to be saved and they need to have Jesus. How can you tell them God loves them and do nothing about that to prove that God loves them? All right, listen to me. You're, you're still with me, right? You haven't, haven't lost anybody? Anybody sleeping? Pinch them if you do. I want them to hear this. All right, turn over to Luke 10 with me. Taking a rabbit trail again there, Harry. Luke 10. All right. I hope I got the right one. I probably don't. Let me see if I do. Yeah, Luke 10, verse 29. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down into Jerusalem and Jericho and fell among the thieves, which uh, stripped him and stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. And But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. There it is. He had compassion on him, and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and sent him on his own beast, and brought him to the inn, and then took care of him. Now listen to me. May I ask you a question? Each of these travelers represents each one of us this morning. Let me ask you who you are. Are you the important one? Too important to stop. And offer yourself or offer help to this hurting person. Or how about are you too busy, like the Levite, to take valuable time for this man? You've got to give up some time to do it. Or are you too broken 
like this man that was feeling neglected and left to die there in the middle of a... By the way, another place in, in Israel, I stood, and you can see right down on that path they used to take to get into Jerusalem. Do you realize that the church has, a chance, has not one iota of a chance of doing great things for Christ in this Albany, Schenectady area if we are not full of compassion for the people who live here? This is why you were put here. There are people out there who need someone to come and love them. There are people out there right now who need, you, who need to know they can be forgiven because they haven't even forgiven themselves. There are people out there right now who are half dead who need someone to come to them and care for them and just pick them up and get them back on the right path again. That's what compassion is. You see, compassion takes action, and it's time for us to take action. Amen? There's a world out there that needs us. So let's pray. This is a church-wide invitation in this prayer. Listen to me. It's time for all of us who know and serve Jesus Christ to put feet to, what we say, to who we say we are. Next week is I Love My Church Anniversary Sunday. This is a great time to go and tell them and invite them to come and see Jesus. You know, Jesus had a uh, constant battle with disciples concerning compassion. Does he have that same battle with you? So with every eye closed, every heart open to God, compassion is the need of the hour. Having compassion is like having salvation. If you're not saved, you need to ask for it. If you lack compassion, you also need to ask for it but only Jesus can, can provide it. Either way, now's the time to cry out to Jesus and he will not send you away. So as Mike comes, Lord, only you know the hearts of the people that are in this sanctuary. You do whatever seemeth you good, Lord. And those of you who are listening, we hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.